This Podcast Movement 2022 audio session is brought to you by Supporting Cast, the best way to sell and deliver exclusive podcasts. And special thanks to PM22 Virtual Ticket Presenting Sponsor, Amazon Music. Hi, everyone. Come in, sit down. I can't see you, but, you know, I'm going to start talking before. Um, I don't have enough hands. They told me this morning I have to hold this mic, so they suck. Um, also, I hate microphones. That's funny. Um, but if you can tell I'm a writer-director, so microphones, I don't do this. But hi, everyone. I'm Faith McQuinn. Hello. I am the founder and writer-director for Observer Pictures. Those are all of our shows. Uh, Boom was first, then Margaritas and Donuts, then Napoleon, and now Patient Zero, which just started last week, which is just a micro-fiction series that's in the Apollyon world. I'm very excited. It is my first micro-fiction, thanks to Anthony. And also, it is bilingual. So I did it in English and Spanish and totally tested my Spanish that I didn't remember. <laughs> but that's okay, I had really cool voice actors. Um, I also excitedly joined Realm at the beginning of the year, and I don't know if any Realm people are here because I can't see them. Um, <laughs> but that has been an excellent experience. But, you know, more about what we're going to talk about. Where am I pointing? No, really? Why is this not working? There it goes. Oh, darn it, this is wrong. Who cares? This was supposed to be the end. Let's try this one. Yay, okay. Ignore this right now, we'll come back. I mean, it is a great quote, but I wanna talk about it at the end, so we'll come back. Um, finding the best way to tell your story, dramatic strategy, that is what we're going to discuss today. And that means we are going to talk about Picking your best idea, how do you tell it best, and my favorite thing, the main dramatic question, which if you have no clue what that is, good thing I'm here to explain it. So the first thing we're going to talk about is picking your best idea. I know a lot of people in this room, and I know that if you're anything like me, you have about 500 things floating around in your mind. Six or seven of those are probably in production. Um, but... <laughs> And if you're like me, you probably shouldn't be juggling that many things. So I usually like to keep it to two, but that doesn't matter, it's still gonna happen. So when you're trying to figure out, when you're sorting through those 500 ideas you have, here are some tips. Which one are you obsessing over? Which is the one that will not leave your head? That you are absolutely like, yes, I need to make this. It needs to happen, I need to do it now. You should probably focus there. Which one is the easiest to outline? Which means which one has, is most fully formed in your head? If it's just an idea floating around, heist in space, um, just an example, um, you should probably hold on to that until it is more than just a heist in space. Focus on the one that has more oomph behind it right now. Next, which one fits the medium the best? Not every story that you come up with should be a podcast. Not every story that you come up with should be a novel, should be a movie, should be a TV show, all of those things. So really sit down and figure out if the story you want to tell will work in an audio-only space. And be truthful with yourself, because if it's not, you'll end up with, oh, I should not say names of shows, so. You can come to me after, and I will tell you which show almost came out of my mouth. <laughs> 
don't know who's here, so I can't do that. Um, and which one has the strongest characters? This will not work for everyone. But if anybody knows me, I'm all about characters. So if you have an idea, sorry, Jordan. Uh, if you have an idea that is just a concept, <laughs> it's usually not the best place to start, unless you're Jordan Cobb, because she does amazing work, that's fine. Um, but usually try to find the people, the people you want to tell a story about, because the stories you care about are about people you care about. So make sure that you're one that has some characters behind it, that you're ready to explore their world. Also, if I'm going too fast, please tell me. Okay, so we've picked the idea. Now we need to know how do you tell it the best way. We're gonna talk about finding your voice, framing the story, and giving it purpose. This order is the order that I go in, you do you. Finding your voice. So you need to figure out, now that you know what the story is, how are you going to tell that story? Is it gonna be a single narrator? Is it gonna be a full cast? Is it gonna be a full cast with narration? Again, this choice really dictates how you are going to write, obviously, right? And maybe it'll change. Maybe the first season is single narrator. Maybe it turns into a full cast. Maybe it's a little bit of both, who knows, okay? So you get there first. And now you wanna frame your story. This is really about genre. Dark comedy, satire, melodrama, docudrama, morality tale, experimental, musical. All of these have different storytelling beats, so you need to make that decision up front. Because if you go into it like, I am making a melodrama, and then somehow it turns into a dark comedy, people are gonna be like, what happened? <laughs> so make the decision at the beginning. Even if you're trying to trick your audience, still know that this is the story you're gonna tell. So by the end of it, when you like kill off your main character, they're like, oh, this is where we're going. And then finally, give it purpose. I always have to have purpose in my writing. Granted, I do just write just to write, and that's fine. But do you want this story to bring awareness on a topic that you're passionate about? Are you just writing it for pure entertainment? Which you should. Um, is it an emotional exploration for yourself? Are you like, I am in this part of my life and I am having all of these feelings, they're in my head and they will not leave, so you spew them out into a journal and then all of a sudden you let all the people in the world listen to it. Totally works. Are you trying to educate people? Not just is it an educational podcast, but also again going back to the awareness, are you trying to educate people on a topic that you're passionate about? And are you trying to challenge the way they think? So. Sci-fi is a great place to explore the idea of things that are happening in our world, but we can frame it in a sci-fi way. You know, monsters can be racist, and a pandemic that takes place 200 years in the future can be about the pandemic today. Just an example. Um, so if you just want to challenge the way people are thinking, think about how you're going to frame your story in that way. Okay, so we've picked the best idea. We know how to tell it, and now my favorite thing, my secret weapon, which is no longer gonna be a secret, the main dramatic question. So what the hell is that? Um, so I'm gonna tell you what it is, how you construct one, and why you should use one. Um, if I were in my class with my students, I'd say why you absolutely need it, because I'd be grading them, I'm not grading any of you, so it's up to you if you wanna use it or not. 
So what it is? It is the driving force of your story and a clear goal for your protagonist. It is basically a very simple question that your entire story is going to answer. You know, super simple and easy, right? <laughs> so how do you do it? It needs to be tangible and specific. You need to keep it positive, and the answer is a yes or no. The answer is the simple part. Getting to the answer should be your entire story. So for example, the main dramatic question in Margaritas and Donuts is, will Josephine find love? I'm not giving away the answer. So basically, that is a yes or no answer at the end. But her trying to find the answer to that question happens over six episodes. So that exploration is what you're going towards. So if you know the answer to your main dramatic question, every single, hi, let's go ahead, um, every single thing you write is going towards that answer. So it will help you focus your storytelling because you know that you're always trying to answer that one question, that one very simple question. Let me go back and talk about it being positive. Oh, hello. Okay, fine. I get it. I went too far. Okay, so keeping it positive means that if you are writing a story about a teenager who is trying to get out of their town, their, the main dramatic question isn't, will Tony get out of this small town? Because that's negative. What you want is, where is Tony trying to get to? So will Tony make it to New York? I don't know. So you try to drive it positively, because just getting out of the town is a different direction than trying to get to this other location. So you keep it positive, so it isn't always your main character trying to work against something. They're trying to go towards something. So that main dramatic question should always be them going to something positive, trying to make something happen for themselves. Okay, so like I said, it helps your storytelling, it helps you focus you're telling your story. It also helps you find the conflict throughout the entire thing, from dialogue to scenes to sequences to entire episodes to the entire series. You can find the conflict. Because for me, conflict is everything. It's broccoli. OK. Why the hell do you have broccoli up here? Because broccoli are little trees. A big piece of broccoli looks like the tinier piece of broccoli looks like the tinier piece of broccoli, and that's what your script should look like. So you will have conflict in a single scene, little tiny piece of broccoli. You will have a conflict in an entire sequence, bigger piece of broccoli. You will have conflict in the entire episode, bigger piece of broccoli. And then over the entire series, that's the whole head of broccoli, bushel of broccoli, that you buy at the store that nobody really wants to cut up. That's the one. So it helps you build tension because every moment should have conflict. Okay? It gives your characters clear objectives if they're constantly having to face something. Internal conflicts, external conflicts, you always have something for them to do. And it keeps your audience engaged. And the conflict should be something they have to work at. Who has seen Jurassic World Dominion? What did you think of Jurassic World Dominion? That shit 
Right. Why? Now, we could say it's because we were, it's just a money grab and people weren't telling a story, but I will tell you the real truth is because there was zero conflict in that movie. Every single time one of the characters got into a thing, they were out of the thing in like less than five seconds. I think Bryce Dallas Howard had about five minutes in the water, but that's it. Like the conflict never stayed. They never had to work for anything. They never had to push through the conflict and you're just like, is it over? <laughs> I just want to see the T-Rex in the circle and can we leave? Why are there locusts? I'm sorry, that's a different talk. Okay, so it also helps you cut the fat. This is the time when you kill your darlings. Every scene that you write has a purpose. It should either give me more about the characters and the environment they live in, it should move the plot forward, or it should create more conflict for your character. If the scenes you write do none of those things, they need to go. Now, who has heard the term write drunk and edit sober? How many of you do that? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, so, the idea is just to write it all, write everything, put it on the page. You should write extra long. If you're writing a 30 minute episode, that sucker better be like 50 pages because you're putting everything on the page and then you come back and you think about this. Is this scene moving the plot forward? Is this scene exploring the character? Is this scene creating conflict for the main protagonist? If you're not answering those questions, it's gotta go, gotta kill the darling, gotta let it go. Maybe set it aside, maybe you can use it later, maybe you can make it work, but honestly, just let it go, okay? So, if you have writer's block at any point in time, that main dramatic question will come back and be your best friend because you know the answer to it, you know that your story has to get to that answer, so if you know where you're going, that's good, even if you don't know how to get there. Even if we were going on a field trip to the Grand Canyon, you're like, I know where the Grand Canyon is, but I wanna take like all the detours. I wanna stop here and take pictures of the largest ball of yarn. Do it. Take all the side trips and everything, but know that eventually you're getting to the Grand Canyon, okay? Also, I like to write backwards. If you're really stuck, just go to the end where you know the answer is happening and then build backwards from there to help you meet in the middle. I don't know about anybody else, I always have trouble with the middle. Like the beginning, I'm like, hell yeah, we're here, I got it, it's awesome. And then the end, I was like, I know exactly where we're going, but then episodes like six, seven, and eight are like, what the hell? <laughs> I don't know. So it's like I really just have to go to the end and work back to that, and then you can figure out what that conflict has to be in the middle. Okay, now, we're gonna go back to that. Pretend you don't see any of these, just close your eyes. Okay, okay, this one. So I wanna end here, and then we'll talk, because that was the plan. So good writing is supposed to evoke sensation in the reader, not the fact that it is raining, but the feeling of being rained upon. I love this. This is a quote I used. Let me start off with, I taught um, screenwriting and directing um, to college students for 10 years, so everything I present is as if I'm talking to students, but I have to know that I'm not grading you. But, so, I would show them this quote, and then I would give them a writing exercise. And I would tell them, 
Think of something extremely mundane. Drinking a glass of water, brushing your teeth, getting dressed in the morning. Something that you just do all the time that's very mundane. And then I want you to write about it as if it is the best thing you have ever done in your life. You have to describe it to someone else as if it is the best thing ever. And it is very interesting when somebody has to break down teeth brushing and make it sound like something that everybody wants to do forever. <laughs> and I always make them choose something boring because like eating cake, we like cake. Well, you probably like cake, I hate cake. But um, so it's like eating cake, people like cake. So that's, that's easier. Look for something that people just don't want to do all the time, but have to do, and then really explore it. And I make them write a full page. Can you imagine a full page of describing someone brushing their teeth? It's fascinating, though, to watch something. And I had a student once talk about um, cleaning the oven. Seriously, at the end of it, I wanted to clean my oven. It was spectacular. So if you are in a tough spot in your writing, I suggest doing some writing exercises, and this is a great one, because it helps you explore your language. It helps you find emotions in the words you use. And maybe you can figure out characters, like, oh, that character does enjoy brushing their teeth, and now I can use this language over here. All right, that's my talk. We have so long. <laughs> 24 whole minutes, so please talk to me. Please, please. And then there. Oh, I do not teach anymore, but I taught at the Art Institute in Nashville and at Middle Tennessee State University. I left that. Um, the question is, what kind of questions do I ask when I'm stuck? Um, I always talk to my characters, and um, usually they tell me the thing that I don't want them to tell me. So I've, always, I've used the take everything important away from them. Like I usually write full biographies for my characters so I know what they love and what they hate. So I'll sit there and look at all the things they love and all the things that they currently have in the story and then I say, what would you do if I took it all away? Like what, how would you react? What's your next step? And usually exploring that, even if it's not in that particular episode, will help me get out of the funk. Uh, I know you really like character work. I was wondering if you could just sort of elaborate on what makes a good character, gives them depth, and makes them believable and relatable. Okay, so the question is how do you make a character believable, relatable? Um, if you want to take my approach, it's writing full biographies for them. Um, Last year I gave a uh, talk about all the questions I write down to ask them. So I want them to have a full name. I want them to have nicknames. Even if nobody ever calls them by these names, we know it. Um, I talk about where they grew up, um, what their religious beliefs are, the kind of environment they like to be in, their socioeconomic stance. All of this stuff that might not ever show up in the story, but I know that I've built this background of this character, so I know how they will react to things because I have this full background on them. Which is why I say that sometimes my characters go places I didn't want them to go because I'm like, no, I have to stick to their belief system and oh crap, I guess we're going this way now. Yeah. Are 
the question is, do I, are there certain traits or attributes to a main dramatic question for me to know it's a good question? And honestly, no, it's fully, it's fully open. I just want it to be positive. I want it to be easy. Like that question should be very simple. If it starts to become this like multi-sentenced thing, you're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> it needs to be extremely basic question that you're trying to answer. <laughs> I know why you asked that question. Uh, so that's Joshua Sui, who is my sound designer, and he should stand up because he's absolutely amazing. <laughs> he's my ride or die sound designer. <laughs> and now I just forgot your question. Oh, how important is research? Um, so incredibly important. Um, I could probably tell you more about virology than you ever ever wanted to know, and the fact that I have read more scientific papers on virology than a non-virologist should be reading, just so I could write a scene about testing mice. Um, so yes, I think research is incredibly important. I want to know what rules I'm breaking. Like, I don't like to go into a writing situation, especially about something like virology or my new show, Patient Zero, which is ecology and forest restoration. I want to know what I'm talking about so that if I do need to change something about it, I knowingly am breaking that rule for a dramatic purpose. But I need to know what I'm talking about. And sometimes I overwrite the science. Are we dying? <laughs> oh, fine. <laughs> so hopefully they find that person. Um, but yeah, I do tons and tons of research. And sometimes I do research to help me get out of um, a writing block. Like if I'm stuck in something and I'm like, maybe I should just learn more about it. And then I just go and learn more about it and then I'm in it and then, okay, now I know where the story can go. Yes. Sure. Okay, so the question is talking about how to turn a negative dramatic, main dramatic question into a positive one. Um, usually when I think negative, it's someone trying to get away from something, like they're trying to move away from something, and that seems pretty vague. So you need them to be going towards something, like they're trying to gain something instead of lose something. So even in the terms of if the question was, your main character wants to lose, 20 pounds, that's still actually negative. You need to think about why they want to lose those 20 pounds, what will happen at the end of those 20 pounds, and then that's your main dramatic question, is like, what do they want from losing those 20 pounds? And still focus on it being a yes or no answer, but try to not think about the things they're trying to get rid of in their life. Yes? Um, how much do I include sound in music when I'm writing? Music, not at all. I'm super terrible at music design, is why I hire people to do that. Um, but I do think about sound a lot, and since Josh and I have been working together a lot, it's, get, it's getting less and less in my scripts because he just knows that I'm like, I want it to sound like this. Go! <laughs> so, but I do talk about like, 
oh, I want them walking through grass. I want them walking in gravel. I, this space, I will tell him the size of rooms. So it's like, oh, they're talking in a large lecture hall. Now you know what that sounds like. So I always think about the sound design and how I want things to feel and where I want silence and where I want lots of sound. And we do a lot of switching, like people talk, walk and talk. So we always have like switching to rooms and how will it sound when they get into that room and like can I bring the audience along as they walk through things. So yeah, I do think about it. It just doesn't make it as fully into my scripts as it used to. Yes. Um, how much of my biographies and big picture stuff happens before I start writing? Um, I have tried to write a story without fully writing characters out, and then I screamed a lot and cried in a corner. So I usually fully write those biographies, think about those characters, stick them in the world, and then I start outlining. And then over there. Um, when did I, did I give myself the time to do these longer exercises and have I been doing that from the beginning? Definitely have not been doing that from the beginning. I definitely learned that um, in school when I have an MFA in creative writing. So I learned that in school to really take the time and to really get more solid storytelling if I spent more time at the beginning world building and character building. It also makes writing easier for me because, hey, all these characters are over here and I just have to live with them and take them on this journey. There and then here. I'll go back to that. So, um, boom was money. Um, Boom has lived every life that it can live. It was originally a short story, and then it was a really crappy short film that I made um, my sophomore year in college, and then it was a novel that did not sell at all, so. And then I was like, hey, let's make it a feature film. Wait, I have no money to make this a feature film. Um, my mom, is in her 70s, so she listened to radio shows when she was younger, and she got me into them, so I listened to a bunch of radio shows, and I was like, oh, radio shows, wait, is that still a thing? And then all of a sudden I discovered audio dramas, and I'm like, oh, let's do this. So then that's where it came from, and I kind of got obsessed. And so, yeah, margaritas and donuts happen, and then Napoleon happened, and then I'm like, maybe I should make short films again, because I used to do that. <laughs> But I haven't made one in, I made one during the pandemic. But other than that, I'm all full on podcasting now. Yes. How does feedback and collaboration factor in? I have beta readers. Um, I think I'm a good writer. I know I'm a good writer. I'm going to own that. I know I'm a good writer. <laughs> But I also know that I need another pair of eyes, at least two more pairs of eyes. And I usually have someone who's industry, who is also a writer, and then someone who's more an audience listener type of person so I can get different feedback. 
And I always wait until I get all of that feedback taken in, and then I do my second drafts. And then I'll send them on to those people again for them to see those second drafts and talk about what works and what doesn't. But yes, it is incredibly important for me to have other people read it before we start producing. Um, for longer works, episodic works, should the main dramatic question stay the same or evolve? It really depends on the story I'm telling. Sometimes I'll make a main dramatic question that's the overall question I'm trying to answer over the entire series, and then I'll have like sub-MDQs that are for each season. So I know what the arc of that season is, but still the answer to that question is going to feed into the answer of the big one at the end. So that big one never changes for me, but I can manipulate them season to season and usually do so I can have a season arc. Is there too much conflict? Yes, <laughs> definitely. You can get like, you can push into telenovela. I love telenovelas, so not knocking on them, but you can push over there where people are just like, oh my God, are they ever going to just have a normal day? <laughs> and you just, you get exhausted by it. So if you, again, this goes into getting someone else to read it. Like, if they're like, there's just, it's too much, it's too much, they never get a breath, then yeah, you've pushed into too much conflict. More? Uh, one thing that I find tricky to write when you don't have like visuals as a cue is like changing scenes, changing locations, the passage of time, mm -hmm. you know, to make it very clear to the listener, oh, time has passed, we're somewhere else. Do you have any tips or suggestions for that? Okay, tips and suggestions on um, locations and passages of time. Um, descriptive dialogue um, and sound design, like very specific sound design, and set it up early. Um, we use the same atmosphere for different locations. Like it is literally like in my library, it is marked this is Joe's apartment, this is this, so you know where you, so you can start to get that sense of where that sound is. Um, passage of time is always interesting because usually I'll have a character say something to make you realize that time has passed, but it can get very tricky where you're, no, like, where you're saying, hey audience, it's been five years. So you just have to like play with it and make it as natural as possible to have that passage of time. That one can get interesting. But yes, descriptive dialogue. If you can figure out a way for someone to naturally say where they are, where they're going, use that. Yes. Kind of related to that, what about narration? Do you have any tips or tricks or on dealing with narration if you decide to use them in your show? Okay. First, bye, AJ. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the question is, do I have tips and tricks about narration? Um, I used a lot of narration in Boom, again, because it was originally supposed to be a film, and I hadn't really gotten used to um, descriptive dialogue and how to get into that. And I think, honestly, the narration should be clean. 
Like it should never pull a person completely out of the story. They're like, whoa, here comes the narrator. It's really nice when your narrator is a character. So they're doing like basically in-head dialogue and then they start talking. And you need to establish it very early so people can get used to it. There's a show, Marigold Breach, which is on Realm. It is constant constant that the main character is in their head and then talking to somebody. And I had to get used to it because there's like no break in dialogue because they're in their head and then they're talking to somebody and then the other character is also in their head. So it's just like they're having a conversation with the other character in their head and then they're talking to people outside. I'm like, whoa. But it just like if you can get a pattern and be like, this is what narration sounds like. This is what the dialogue sounds like. And then they play together instead of like shocking people out of it. <laughs> and yeah, I know that's very vague, but <laughs> you kind of have to play with it. Yeah. Uh, so forms or styles that I'm excited to like, listen to or play with, or? Oh, okay. Oh, now you're making me think. Um, are there forms and styles that I'm excited about exploring myself or that I'm listening to? Wow, I, um, I like all the things. Uh, <laughs> I do tend to stay towards full cast stuff because I do like listening to that if I'm going to... Um, single narrator has to like really grab me and have incredible sound design for me to like super get into it, even though I do listen to them, but I like really like um, full cast stuff. Um, I kind of want to explore faux reality based things, <laughs> like trying to create a reality show, reality show in audio drama. I think that could be interesting. I have to figure out how to work it because a lot of reality depends on like the silly things that they do or the things they get caught doing and like how do you do that as an audio drama? So that could be interesting. I'm sorry, one more time. Oh. Um, what, what's the ideal episode length? Um, did you tell the story? Yes. I mean, I know that sounds very like, uh, but that's where I am. If you completed the story in, like, that episode contains the entire arc that you were trying to contain, that's the length that should be. Like, that's all I got. Now, for me, when it's hitting an hour, Jordan Cobb, um, I, I'm like, okay, I got a plan for when I'm going to listen to this whole hour. But I'm still there. I'm like, this is the story. I'm in it. I'm going to be there for it. So for a writer, I think the ideal length is, did I complete that story? Did I tell the whole thing? That's it. That's how long it should be. Any more? I had seven minutes. Yeah, woo! Is there a show that I love right now that I feel accomplishes this? I just binged Tehana, which is really amazing. Uh, Stephanie Beatriz, and it's a Telemundo Sonos um, collaboration. It's really good. I never thought I'd be into a cop procedural and audio drama, but it really works. <laughs> it is very good. Um, I am obsessed with uh, Fan Wars, uh, The Empire Claps Back. 
I absolutely love that show, and I've listened to it probably eight times now. All the episodes are really short. They're like eight minutes and under. It's so good. Definitely check that out. There were more hands I saw. Okay. Whoop. Hold. <laughs> there was a... Was there... Yes. Oh, it is amazing. Thank you. <laughs> Yes, it was. Um, so the character, the main character in Patient Zero is talked about in Napoleon. Um, he is the first person to contract AVS, and it happens um, when he is in the Monteverde cloud forest. So I knew that if I was creating a character in Monteverde that I could not have someone speaking English only. So he is from New Mexico, but he's bilingual, but he's working with people who are natives. So it was like I had to cast a completely Latino cast, and I wanted to make sure that they were all bilingual. And in fact, the person who isn't bilingual in the cast actually is. And um, when she was saying some Spanish words, I said, I know this sounds weird, but I need you to not say them like you actually know how to say them. <laughs> so I, and she's like, oh no. So she had to like go back, because she kept calling him Lucas. And I was like, no, you can't do that. And she's like, oh, fine. <laughs> So it was really fun. Others, yes, and then here. Yes? Okay. So for short form, five minutes and under? Um, is that each episode? Oh, okay, okay. Well, I think I would think of it as the whole 25 minutes. So, if you're doing short form and you have a main dramatic question, just think of what's the at the end of that 25 minutes. What's the answer? And then each little episode is working towards that answer. Is what I would focus on. And so, so instead of having those little arcs like I was talking about, just have that one big arc that gets to that question, the answer at the end. Oh, so what's my outlining process? Um, so I do the biographies. I figure out the arc of the entire series, and then I break it down to what's going to happen in each season, and then I will start finding the major plot points in the season so that I can break them down into episodes. This is why it always gets weird for me, because my major plot points are usually only five, and I do 10 to 12 episodes, so I'm like, oh, when am I going to hit that plot, that plot point, that plot point? So I'm usually like working in huge chunks, and then I slowly break it down into smaller things like broccoli. I love broccoli. <laughs> Anything else? Three whole minutes. Ooh, what's the most experimental thing I've used the medium for? I'm, I'm so boring and basic. Um, but I did a very short thing called Outpost Tea House, which was Alice in Wonderland in space. I, um, Alice is on a spaceship, she's coming from Earth, she crash lands on Wonderland, and uh, the Mad Hatter and 
um, rabbit are scientists and they find her and they want to experiment on her and they're taking her to the queen. Um, I only did five, it was only a five minute like teaser, um, but if Josh gets his way, we're gonna do a whole episode, we're gonna do like a movie episode. Yes. Uh, no. <laughs> Did I have a drink? No, actually, this was like fully sober. This is me, weird. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm just a weird person. <laughs> Though margaritas are delicious, and if anyone wants to buy me one, I'm totally on. The spicier, the better. Is there anything you'd like to see more of in audio dramas? I want more romantic comedies. I want more heists. There are not enough heists. And not in space heists. Like, I want a full-on Ocean's Eleven, let's steal something from the bank heist is what I want. But yes, romantic comedies, there just aren't enough of those. And um, real world scenarios. I mean, I am a sci-fi nerd to no end. But I would love, like, when I was doing Boom, it was really hard to market because people were like, is it sci-fi? I'm like, no. Um, it's, it takes place in Nashville in 2010. I don't, I, like, I can't help you. I don't, so it was like, it's just like more real world based stuff I'd love to see. Oh, I only have one minute. So quick question. Anybody got a quick one? How can we find Oh, yes. Oh my gosh. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> I am at observerpictures.com. You can find everything that I have ever done is at observerpictures.com. I am on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at observerpix. That's P-I-X. And um, Apollyon has its own place on uh, Twitter and Instagram, and that's Apollyon Pod. Thank you.